Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. Hello there. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato of the Condo Expert. Sponsored by Bayshore Health and Wellbeing and powered by the Hayes FM here in Mississauga. Welcome to the show. You know, we've talked so much about condominiums and all the various reviews that are going on pretty much uh, across the province, but now it's actually opened the door Canada-wide. I know nationally there's... There's more integration happening with different stakeholder meetings and condo owners are having the ability to voice their opinions. So whether they're voicing it to the new condo owners association or to different groups that are out there right now, that's what's happening and it's important. So we really need condo owners to start paying attention to the news and the media and stay on top of things because this is all about consumer protection for you. So today we are very, very happy to welcome Randy Lippert. He's a professor with the University of Windsor. And Randy, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Linda. You're welcome. It's so, I'm so happy that you contacted us. I think that, uh, you know, what you're doing and everything that you're involved in right now sounds so fascinating and certainly it's going to help an awful lot of people. Um, well, we're certainly hoping that that's going to be the case with, uh, you know, the study that we're starting starting to do, essentially. Yeah. Right. So maybe maybe what you could do is just tell our audience a little bit about your, like, how did this all get started? Because uh, generally when uh, university professors get involved and, and universities are doing white papers on different uh, issues that are out there, it really becomes a template to follow because you do such extensive research. Yeah, well, I mean, how it got started is um, basically, I mean, it's more of an academic thing, at least initially, and that was that, you know, really there wasn't any sort of research on this, and I found that really surprising given, you know, the millions of people that live in condominiums in, in North America. So, you know, what I did was did that sort of literature review, and you know, we basically found out that there, we know very little about condominium governance specifically it's an important area and I think it's something that we definitely need to know more about. Absolutely. You know, and that's something I have to tell you, like I'm really shocked because, you know, if I think about it, I mean, condominiums have been around since 1960s. And if you take a look at how long and you look at the condo act and then you think, okay, it hasn't been updated since 1998. And even in that it's self-governed. You know, you've got to sit back and think, wow, I mean, in the city of Toronto alone, now there's 237,000 condo units. Wow. Yeah. And that's, you know, that translates into a lot of people living in condos. Exactly. <laughs> and that's just this area. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I went back and I actually looked at the making of the first condo legislation in, in Ontario and the discussion in the legislature. And, you know, it's amazing what wasn't in place back then that's in place, you know, now. I don't think they anticipated any of the things that currently, you know, sort of happening and, you know, that includes, you know, the involvement of all sorts of service providers and, you know, insurance companies, law firms, and, and things like that. Um, I think they imagined it as, you know, basically a self-managed um, institution. They would be relatively small. 
and um, you know that was it. <laughs> well, and, it's amazing. I, I I don't understand. You know, it's funny. Okay, we'll break it down a bit. I mean, land has become so expensive. And especially if you're talking about, you know, right in the city itself, all of the city core, it doesn't matter whether it's Toronto or Mississauga, I'm sure even in Windsor. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, if you take price per square foot of land and a developer wants to come in and build a building, he can make, they can make a lot of money in comparison to building houses on that land. I mean, if you're going to drop 20 foot frontages <laughs> you yes. still can't tower up on you know 30 40 story buildings yeah no, no i mean that's definitely the case and you can see you know the incentive to you know go higher and higher if you look at you know what some people refer to as condo land i'm sure you've sort of addressed that um, oh, area oh, well, on this show but yeah they've got the um, mervish building going wanting to go like over 80 stories yes, now <laughs> yeah i mean that i mean that shows you um you know what can happen as a consequence of developers and uh, land prices that are um, that expensive. You know, and that's the thing. Like, even if you think, I mean, somebody would turn around and say, okay, fine. What about like Collingwood? Mm. Okay. You know, and then you've got the resorts there and so on. You're, you're, you're getting a different audience, but you still have condo owners. You know, maybe you've got more vacation-minded condo owners versus, you know, maybe the investment side of having a rental condo or maybe, you know, owner-occupied side that you may find in, I don't know, Mississauga or Burlington or Oakville or any of the other outside, you know, cities. But Mm -hmm. the bottom line is, is people want to buy a condominium because it's affordable Mm -hmm. and the builders love to build them because they can make lots of money. Mm -hmm, Yeah. (laughs) And and obviously, I mean, it it doesn't end there, right? I mean, the, the other service providers will, you know, continue to, to make money through the, you know, condo arrangements that sort of set up. So, you know, a lot of people will make a lot of money and hopefully the owners are, um, you know, aware of that and, and in a position to sort of, you know, safeguard against uh, abuses and things. Well, that's a big one. Did you know, like property management firms, I'll give you just a f- FYI, property management firms, if a building has roughly 300 condo unit owners, chances are they're looking at a at about 150 to 250 range of a contract with a property management company. Hmm. Wow. You know, that that's just and we haven't even touched security yet. Yes. So, you know, and and the interesting part is that property manager, not the company, but the property manager may only be making say $50,000. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. So, you know, <laughs> isn't that interesting? Hmm. Yeah. So, they may be handling the books, I mean, doing the accounting and so on, but the interesting part about that is, is I mean, really, a condo corporation could easily just hire an accountant and have them do their books and mm. accounting mm. and not go through the property management company and maybe save some money. Yeah, I you mean, know? it definitely sounds like that's a possibility in, in some cases. And I mean, it's, I think that's the, the, you know, the kind of thing we want to find out with mm-hmm. with the research and uh, in talking with uh, condo owners as well as, you know, board members and, and if possible, um, some service providers as well. One one thing that comes to mind, too, is that, you know, I mean, right now it's been identified across the board. There is some abuse in the system. And that's what's really pushing forward all these reviews. I mean, you're not going to get all of these reviews. You've got provincial refu- reviews. Now you almost have some degree of federal v- reviews mm. because it's happened in other provinces. Mm-hmm, yeah. You've got municipal reviews. 
So that's got to tell people that obviously they've identified that there is a lack of governance, Mm -hmm. there's a lack of accountability, and there is, you know, to a degree, an abuse. And certainly, I mean, when you've got that type of thing, money could most likely is behind the entire equation. Mm, Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Ontario is part of a larger trend in in North America with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly in Florida and California and as well as Nevada, you've seen much more... Um, regulation, frankly, in recent years, you know, as a consequence of, and partly as a consequence of owners, uh, you know, sort of mobilizing as well. And so, yeah, I mean, so Ontario isn't really um, the exception in that regard, but uh, certainly there are things that are, you know, that the act here has to address that, you know, would perhaps be different. And in a way, in a way, I mean, that's kind of what the research is, is looking at as well by comparing condos and the legislation that is relevant to New York City with Toronto. So does New York City have, like, I, I guess you've probably looked at their condo act. Um, no, I haven't no? actually. I mean, I've paired That's... with an anthropologist who is has written extensively on gated communities and, and private you know, homeowner associations are usually referred to in the United States. And so she's going to sort of be taking that part of the study up. But certainly, you know, I will spend some time there. And that's sort of the second stage of the, the research. The first stage is is Toronto. But that's ultimately we want to, what we want to do is, you know, be able to compare the legislative um, arrangements in, in the two jurisdictions and as well as, you know, obviously get views of owner-occupiers and condo owners generally. They have a high concentration of uh, co-ops in, in New York City which is, makes it a little different. And, uh, but there are also obviously a, a, quite a few condominiums and you know, we want to uh, speak with people there as well. Well, when was it? I guess it was about two weeks ago. I was speaking with somebody, which I knew who they were, but unfortunately <laughs> I'm talking to so many people, it's hard mm-hmm. to remember everybody. Mm-hmm. But the, the comment that came back was that there is more development. Oh my goodness, how could I have forgotten? I know exactly where it was. I was at a huge seminar. Hmm. And what it was, was that there is more condominium development in the city of Toronto than any other city across Canada and the United States. And that would actually include New York and everywhere else. Yes. I mean, that, what a statement. Yes. No, I mean, I think that's correct. That's consistent with what I've read as well. And it was given by Mayor Ford, Rob Ford. Oh, okay. That's where you're, I was. I was at a luncheon. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's where <laughs> I was. I was trying to remember back. Okay. I've been to four different ones in the last two weeks, and that's exactly where it was. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just amazing on, on how much development has been happening. Yes. And uh, I mean, I lived in Vancouver before I moved out to Ontario, so I saw a lot of the the part of Vancouver that really Yale town and so on, where the the condos just went up and it was crazy. But when you look at Toronto, I mean, the condo land area of what, you know, some refer to as that, you know, it it looks very, very similar now. And, uh, you know, we sort of hope that there's not going to be the same sort of debacle, um, that happened in that, um, environment. Well, I know in New York, I think it was uh, last couple of weeks ago where they actually came to task with respect to short-term rentals because someone got fined because they rented out their condo unit less than 30 days. And now in New York City, they put a bylaw in place that you cannot rent out your property, your unit less than 30 days, because they want to secure and make sure that the, I gather they're probably looking at the hotel and restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. 
to yeah. make sure that, that, you know, that tourism and so on. I mean, it's easy enough for people to come into the country and say, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll let you sleep in my extra bedroom for the weekend at X amount of dollars. And, um, you know, there you go. Now you don't have to go into a hotel. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, you know, the price of, of hotels and everything really drives that, creates that possibility where it would be obviously less so in, in Toronto. Well, exactly. Guessing, yeah. yeah. Although so, that has been an know. issue here as, as well in, in recent years, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. we have it that uh, it's something you could look at. Is in, I believe it was in about 2003. It was put on the table at legislation to actually not allow the short term or put restrictions on short term. Mm-hmm. And then it passed through that if the developer included the statement of short term rentals in his declaration in the condo document, mm then it would be allowed. So guess what? It's in all the condo mm, documents okay, of new wow. construction. Yeah. And I mean, obviously that has some detrimental de- detrimental effects on uh, residents. And, and, uh, and yeah. Well, I think, again, it's, it's a matter of taking a look and saying, okay, what exactly is going to protect the condo owner? Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's, it's the economy. It's the long-term sustainability of condominiums, which is at, at stake here. Mm-hmm. Even if we forget about the condo owner for a moment, mm-hmm. and we just think of our population, mm-hmm. where are we going to be if we don't have some kind of governance and we get to a point where all of these you know, corporations, we've got you know, roughly 2,000 of them thereabouts approximately, maybe 1,900 of them in the city of Toronto. So, or for instance, I'll take Mississauga. I mean, there's about 560 in Mississauga. There's... You know, I guess the next one below that would probably be, actually, you know what? I think London, London actually, London and Ottawa, believe it or not, they top them. Hmm. Yeah, wow. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Ottawa, there's uh, about 790, 95, so thereabouts. And London, there's about 640 or 50. Hmm. Wow, so, that's quite significant yeah, concentrations, you, yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, yeah. and I know that I received, I received an email from a condo owner Asking about puzzle parking. Okay. That shocked me. That really did, because I didn't even know what puzzled parking mm-hmm. was. And basically what it is, is it's uh, it's underground parking where the car goes down through elevators and so on. And literally they, they fit like a puzzle in the underground. Okay. And it's supposed to be saving on environment and so on and so on. But I guess my question is, if that thing breaks down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want that maintenance fee to fix the thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. And that's, <laughs> and like, I mean, as you're suggesting, I and mean, that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the, the possible, you know, cost that um, owners, you know, have to face. Um, you know, I mean, there's been lots of horror stories in the United States, you know, since the, the downturn about corporations becoming insolvent. Exactly. And then what happens, right? Who covers the cost and what happens to the few owners who are left and, um, you know, really frightening kinds of things. And, uh, you know, hopefully that isn't going to happen here, but it is, you know, a risk that, that I think people who are working on the act need to, you know, consider as well as owners. Well, exactly. So, so maybe, you know what, and I haven't seen this yet. Okay. And this one is really important. I'm going to throw it at you, but we got a break for a moment. So you're lending, listening to Linda Pinizzato here at the Condo Expert, sponsored by Bayshore Health and Wellbeing. We'll be right back. 